Hello, and welcome to this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Karen Livingston, editor of Air Cargo World. I'm joined today by Kathy Morrow-Roberson, the founder of Logistics Trends and Insights, a weekly columnist at Air Cargo World, and also the host of her own Air Cargo World podcast on logistics, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, and at aircargoworld.com. Welcome back to On Air, Kathy. Hey, Karen. How you doing? Doing very well. We're very glad to have you back this month. Well, thank you for having me. Great. So in in this episode, we're going to be looking back at at the past quarter and the first half of 2021 and some of the recent earnings coverage that we've had on Air Cargo World. So uh, to kind of kick off with the express uh, market, Kathy, uh, you covered FedEx's earnings for its quarter ending May 31st in a column last month. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I uh, I don't think surprised you was FedEx setting another record for its revenue during the quarter. So uh, can you share some of your some of your takeaways from the quarter? Sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be old news, isn't it? Uh, another record breaking quarter. I think uh, FedEx has I've lost track of the number of quarters that has been record breaking, but they've been doing a fantastic job. The num- the volumes keep increasing on the ground as well as in the air. And I mean, I think last year, COVID at the you know at the height of the pandemic, there was a lot of a there was a sudden shift towards e-commerce, which really drove that ground volume. And then with the air, and we're still seeing it now, is when you have like what fifty percent of the capacity down. Uh, from the air freight market, uh, passenger airlines, uh, they've they've done a great job of taking advantage of the situation. And they are building out a very strong air network focused on e-commerce and and healthcare is another big area for them. So they've been working on that. The volumes are great. They keep increasing their rates and their surcharges. I'm not too sure how much farther they can go on that, but, you know, until the capacity returns to the market, I I think they're going to try to see how far they can go. I mean, the same situation with UPS, of course. Again, UPS, their earnings, they they report their second quarter earnings next week. And um, honestly, I'm expecting another record-breaking quarter from them as well, along with record uh, volumes, both ground and air, and um, just just strength, all thanks to the growth in e-commerce. Right. And kind of to your point about the uh, the lack of capacity with uh, with passenger airlines still uh, still not flying their their 2019 schedules, uh, it, it seems like uh, there may be more record-breaking quarters in the future. I think uh, in your, your FedEx coverage, FedEx is expecting capacity to be constrained through at least the first half of next year and maybe full recovery not until 2024. So it, uh, it seems like these companies should be positioning themselves to, to continue these kinds of rate increases and surcharges through at least another year, if, if not longer. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, their profits are just going to keep climbing higher and higher. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I keep saying, I keep harping on this, but I mean, e-commerce is such a huge, it's playing such a huge role in both of these companies' strategies. It's, um, It's unreal. 
They're focusing more on that small to medium-sized business. They're tweaking their customs brokerage solutions to help with that cross-border e-commerce because, you know, speed is everything. It's not a domestic issue. You know, regardless, if you order something in Europe or in Asia, you still want it fast. Maybe not same day, but, you know, not from like a year from now. So they are tweaking all of that and really connecting the dots with the rest of their services to, to this. Right. And I think we're also seeing some maybe increased service on some of these international routes as well with the targeting and developing markets and uh, kind of targeting those, the Trans-Pacific and, and Transatlantic trade lanes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think uh, FedEx, I think during their fiscal fourth quarter, introduced a new express service on that transatlantic lane and also within uh, within Europe that is focused on e-commerce. And it includes customs with the whole, um, it's kind of like a bundle service, air and customs, and probably last mile into the, into the U.S. or Europe, depending. So I think you're going to see more of that, more of those types of solutions being introduced by other players. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it, it, e-commerce is here. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, with with all of these profits, they're they're seeing they're also uh, having more uh, more room to expand, uh, more capital for investment and and acquisition. So I know that there have been some kind of interesting deals that you've covered. Are, are there any that you're especially excited to see develop over the the next year or two? I I, I do think a lot of their profits are going to go into acquisitions. And I also think a lot of it's going into technology as well, because technology is what's enabling them to uh, provide such a seamless supply chain. Because everyone, when I say everyone, shippers are wanting more agility in their supply chains. They're wanting more risk management type. So they want to have that visibility to be able to react or be more proactive, I should say, and respond at the flip of a coin, not wait a week or two to find out something. But yeah, as far as acquisitions go, I, it, it wasn't an acquisition, but it was a it was a hundred million dollar investment that FedEx announced last Friday, and it was in uh, India's Delhivery. It's which has been around for several years. They're focused on e-commerce, last mile. Uh, they also have a beautiful warehouse distribution or fulfillment network across India. And uh, the agreement is that they will be doing basically FedEx's last mile delivery within India. And FedEx, of course, will take care of the inbound and outbound services to and from India. And India is a huge e-commerce country. The, um, it's, it's growing really fast. You see Amazon, a- Amazon there. Amazon's made huge investments in the country. Alibaba was there at one time. They're not there to a great extent because there's been kind of a stink between China and India. So I'm not sure if Alibaba has the stomach to go back in and really build up anything within the domestic market, but they have several investments within the uh, Indian logistics market. So the interesting thing that I find with this is UPS hasn't made a significant investment in India in a couple of years. And I really do expect them to make some kind of an investment within that market. It's a very important market. 
uh, from an e-commerce and last mile perspective. So who knows, maybe within the next year or two, we might see an, uh, an announcement from UPS. Definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as, as, you, as you mentioned with, with India, we've seen some substantial investments in, in startups in, in Southeast Asia and India, especially for, for e-commerce. So yeah, it's the big express providers are, are there and hoping to, to kind of uh, take advantage of that growth. But we're also seeing, you know, some, some new startup airlines on uh, in the scene, uh, yep. AirAsia expanding their, their footprint there. Uh, Cargo Express and uh, many others. So that's a very exciting region to keep an eye on in the next couple of years. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Then kind of turning to to the other big express company, DHL, they released their preliminary uh, second quarter results earlier this month. And they also reported record earnings uh, driven by Docker. what they're right. I know it's not exactly surprising <laughs> at this point. No, uh, it's not. I think the big surprise would be if they lost money. <laughs> right, exactly. So definitely, as you said, the, the e-commerce boom, uh, it's, I don't think it's a boom so much as that growth has just was accelerated by the pandemic. And now we're in a new growth trajectory for e-commerce. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, one of the things that that stood out to me about the results that I covered was the performance of of DHL's e-commerce solutions division, uh, which is a, a pretty new division for the company from the start of 2019 when they when they split up their post e-commerce parcel division into the the two branches, the the post and packet Deutschland, and then e-commerce solutions, which includes their international parcel delivery options. So. It seems like that timing could not have been better for DHL. <laughs> they couldn't have yeah. like, predicted how how well it would have gone. Uh, the new division reported EBIT of only, I think, uh, slightly over $1 million in the second quarter of 2020. And then that grew to $136 million during this most recent quarter. And then, of course, their express division also saw EBIT growth of more than 100%. So... Clearly, the major express companies are doing very well thanks to their their freighter fleets and as the e-commerce growth. Uh, do you have any any thoughts on preliminary results, or uh, what are you hoping to see when when their full results are published uh, next month? I, you know, I really think with the growth in e-commerce. I mean, the express, the three big, in, we always call them integrators. When I was at UPS, but they really are, have set themselves up to be the top leaders, I think, when it comes to e-commerce, whether it's the warehousing and the fulfillment, uh, last mile, cross-border, or what have you, they have really shown their strength. And I believe it was last week, wasn't it? I believe DHL also announced major um, investments uh, that plan to expand further into the U.S. by uh, building more fulfillment facilities and such as that to support e-commerce of course right. so it's it's just, i think they're gonna they're gonna be the leaders in this space and um and i keep looking at the chinese uh integrators you know sf express they're expanding globally as well so i really it's going to be interesting to see how they grow where they grow and if they can make it an impact on the big three so to speak. 
And then, of course, there's Amazon. So, you know, if you really want to consider them an integrator, which I'm hesitant to, but I mean, they're growing by leaps and bounds and, um, and they'll continue to do so. This is one thing I did want to throw out, though, Karen, was I believe I saw an article or a notice about how DHL Andronomatics, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, Dronamics. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have partnered up in Europe? Right. Uh, I think initially it's it's in Europe. Uh, I spoke with Dronamics fairly recently, and they are, I think they expect to be kind of certified for drone operations, airport to airport in in the EU by the end of this year. And yeah, that's a very interesting deal. I think uh, they're planning something like 4,000 drones for for DHL. Right. <laughs> is it going to be just airport or is, will that include like last mile or is that like the middle mile? They're or? definitely a, a middle mile is how they've positioned okay. themselves as kind of an airline, but you know, country to country within the EU, those, those drones have a pretty decent range. So that's a definitely a, kind of an interesting same day option for, for DHL. It really is. It really is. I know DHL was one of the first major logistics providers, I think, that really embraced drones back before anybody else gave them much thought. Because I know there's still a lot of people that don't think highly of them, but I think there's something to be said about the drones. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I know that people have kind of, you know, wondered how to make drone operations financially feasible, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, and DHL isn't isn't even the first to, to kind of turn to Dronamics uh, which just launched itself as an airline earlier this year. Hellman Logistics is also doing something similar okay. in in Europe, expected to start next year. It's really changing the landscape. Yeah, yeah, those are uh, definitely, as you said, some big uh, kind of tech investment from from DHL. There, that's that's no small uh, no small figure. That number of of drones that that could be operating for them. Uh, I didn't realize it was that many. <laughs> I know. A lot. Wow. Wow. I wonder if they have, if they've set up a separate, well, I know UPS has set, set up a separate subsidiary for their drones because they utilize drones a lot within like healthcare um, and also some of the um, last mile deliveries in these larger retirement communities in Florida. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if it, could be profitable. I haven't seen any numbers yet. Right, so. their uh, their UPS flight forward, I think, is that. There you um, go. That yeah. drone program. But yeah, uh, as you said, UPS hasn't yet announced their their second quarter earnings, but they did have a recent investor and analyst day that you covered in a column uh, last month, and I th- I think you also highlighted some of their their tech utilization is there is there anything there aside from drones that that you think is particularly exciting from ups oh my gosh it's it's all about technology with them which is fascinating because you know i mean technology has always been important to ups but to listen to all of them so much of it is ai focused their orion which is a route optimization tool that they use They've incorporated AI into that. So it's now dynamic. By that, it means, you know, they've incorporated such external environment things, such as the weather, any any slight changes. It will shift that route 
uh, pattern for the driver, you know, to keep them to maintain efficiency. And um, they're also utilizing AI in something it hasn't been launched yet. And I don't think it's been tested. It may be tested. It's, it's along the same lines. It's dynamic pricing, which is um, going to be interesting to watch, I think. Um, so instead of announcing the usual 4.9% annual rate increase or, and the ongoing surcharges, it would be based on the particular lane or city pairing and the demand and, and such as that. So I think that's going to be coming over the next few years. But yeah, there's a lot of technology. They're expanding their, uh, you know, into seven day delivery, a majority, which should reach the majority of the country for Saturday delivery by October. So just in time for the holidays. However, this is where FedEx shines. So they have more of a coverage for both Saturday and Sunday. So I think that's check that, you know, check towards FedEx on that one. I mean, UPS is still building out that Sunday delivery in which they're partnering with the post office, I think, for, for a good bit of that. But no, they're very upbeat. You know, they're expecting another record holiday season. Yeah, they've, uh, you know, going back to that whole technology, they've, they've set up various platforms for their small to medium sized businesses to do their own thing, like custom doing customs paperwork, which is, again, that platform is AI based. It's fascinating. So, yeah, there's a lot of changes that's happened with UPS. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, how the, the the three big integrators kind of compete, as, especially as they're trying to expand more their, their international service since yeah. uh, UPS and FedEx, of course, based in North America, then DHL in Europe, and kind of everyone fighting for a piece of, of the Asia Pacific region. <laughs> well, you know, again, and they're going to they're going to be faced with the, the hometown providers, you know, in China, you know, the SF Express and, and uh, several of the others. So yeah, uh, that is going to be interesting to watch, particularly, I think, the Asia-Europe market, uh, because there's been a lot of growth more in that, in that space, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I know that uh, the DHL is looking to kind of position some of its, uh, its new 777 freighters on some of those routes connecting uh, well, connecting North America with Europe and then on to yeah. the Asia Pacific region. So yeah. definitely uh, some competition there. That's true. And I think FedEx announced that they were taking on more airplanes and they were expanding their, uh, I think, more to the Trans-Pacific line, on the Trans-Pacific line. Uh, so, yeah, we shall see. That's right. Sure. And, then, and then UPS has kind of opted instead of, uh, growing its fleet, kind of uh, repositioning quickly, I think. Uh, so that's they've kind of taken a different approach under under their new CEO. That's uh, well, see that was already underway prior to before uh, Miss Tomei came in. Okay. Was that flip? And that's also okay. thanks to uh, technology improvements. They are able to reposition a lot faster than they used to be. I would say about three to five years ago, you know, FedEx was able to flip on a dime you know, reposition fairly quickly. But I think UPS caught up and probably surpassed them now, thanks to their investments and in, in various technology tools. 
I know it's nice to have uh, additional capacity right now, but of course the, the rates won't last forever. So that is kind of uh, some forward thinking there that uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the years ahead. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to watch as we get closer towards the end of the year holiday season peak, you know, what's always been traditionally called peak season, which <laughs> I think we've been in a peak for right. over a year now, but you know, with ever the situation going on with the ocean freight, you know the uh, the uh, container shortages, the backups at various ports, how some shippers have shifted towards air. I wonder if that if they're still going to be able to shift more towards air as you know the holiday season um, gets closer. Because capacity is still pretty tight in the air market. It's a very good question, especially since you, you'll you probably be expecting some of the big technology manufacturers to be chartering some of these aircraft to get their products in, in stores and in Europe and North America in time for the holidays. Yeah. I mean, we heard not too long ago that Home Depot actually charted an ocean vessel. <laughs> 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 to get their stuff from Asia into the U.S. And that, that floored me because I've never heard of any shipper chartering an ocean vessel. I mean, you always hear it air, but never ocean. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I wish them the best of luck, particularly when the ship comes in trying to find a truck, trying to find rail because, you know, the capacity is, Capacity issues aren't just subject to air and ocean. It's across all modes of transportation right now. Very true. Yeah. But uh, to kind of close up the the podcast, talk about some of the other types. I know that the integrators are so much going on and they've had some really exciting earnings. Airlines have been much more of a mixed bag when it comes to earnings during the pandemic. And of course, we're still in the midst of, of this most recent quarterly earnings releases, but the combination carriers are, are clearly struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Emirates last month reported its first annual operating loss in 30 years, even though it's the Sky Cargo division reported a 53% increase in revenue. And then Delta uh, recently released their earnings and the airline overall uh, reported a pretty large adjusted net loss, even though, of course, cargo revenues were up from, from 2019 by about 35%, but it's clear that cargo isn't going to make up the difference from lost passenger revenues for these carriers with capacity not expected to kind of return at at least through for another year or so. uh, It seems likely that there'll be some some more difficult quarters ahead for some of these airlines. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be rough. I mean, it was good to see the cargo division at Delta do so well, but it's such a small percentage. So hopefully they'll be able to turn around things. Now, that what's interesting, though, is um, how a lot of these passenger airlines have had to cancel flights because they don't have enough pilots or other workers. So, yeah. And how long will that continue? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Well, I mean, before the pandemic, we, you know, there was the pilot shortage was an issue. Then during the pandemic, suddenly, you know, there were layoffs, mass layoffs and uh, different kinds of labor arrangements. And now that people are trying to go back to work, I know that uh, some pilots have have retired (laughs) some. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, 
it's a different environment. And like you said, there've been many, many cancellations, especially from, from many of these combination carriers as well as some, some cargo airlines. But yeah, you, you recently covered this topic. Yeah, it it was definitely an interesting topic and seeing it return, you know, the pilot shortage issue return since 2019. It's definitely interesting. And I noticed out on Twitter, yeah, Twitter, uh, (laughs) Uh, there, there was a tweet, I forgot from whom, but there seems to be a U.S. senator that is wanting to talk to a number of these airlines that have taken, you know, money mm-hmm. for last year, but are still ha- they're struggling with this pilot shortage and she's wanting to learn more. So she's calling a number of them up to gather more information, to see what the heck is going on. So it's going to be interesting to see what she comes up with, what the results I, I don't expect there's going to be any results or final say-sos, but I think there is a concern that there may be some airlines that haven't been truthful or, or, or whatever you want to say when they took the money and let go pilots. I'm not sure. We'll find out. I mean, that's, that's the case for combination carriers, but then the all cargo carriers, it's been a very different story because <laughs> more similar to the express operators. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once cool. again, kind of highlighting the benefits of, of operating freighters during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They definitely, from a financial perspective, have, have benefited. <laughs> That's for sure. Kind of the, the last uh, operator type I wanted to touch on today is, uh, is the freight forwarders and third-party logistics companies. We haven't seen too many logistics companies release their, their second quarter earnings yet. Kunanagel just released its uh, first half results. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. They they noted in that release that we are starting to see the the beginning of the apex benefits in their earnings from from May, which is very exciting. That is that is. I think that that was a very smart acquisition there. Yeah, because I mean they've always been strong on the Trans Pacific Ocean Freight Lane, and now they've got um, APAC. So, well, that's cool. Yeah, uh, something uh, something they actually noted. Well, since you know Apex is very strong in, in that Trans-Pacific trade lane on on air freight as well, they operate many charters on that on that route as we've covered before on on Air Cargo World. So they had that kind of operating uh, network in place well before the pandemic, and were able to kind of fully reap the the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kunanagel will be leveraging apex's strengths there in the in the future they said it's very interesting their uh, their air logistics ebit was uh, up by i think about 120 percent or so for for the quarter so wow uh, yeah <laughs> it's uh quite a turnaround for the for some of these freight forwarders uh from the early days of the pandemic which is which has been uh good to see yeah it has a, you know the freight forwarding market as a whole though i mean it's just it's up and down. they're at the mercy of the market, the current market. Yeah, right now they should be seeing some decent profits, you know, both in the air and the ocean. Uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good point that you make that they they are, of course, very reliant on kind of their their transportation partners. And also, you know, some of these agreements they may have had before didn't didn't work well for them uh, early in the pandemic, but they've since been able to kind of make it work or build up charter charter networks or, or similar uh, similar arrangements. What are your thoughts on how we can expect them to kind of fare for the remainder? Like a, 
would you expect some of these uh, the charter networks that we've seen the major freight forwarders build up to to continue uh, for the duration, or or what are your expectations? I, I honestly think uh, freight forwarding market is going to be strong through at least at least mid part of next year. Uh, I think supply chains are going to be tight, the the full supply chain, not just air and ocean, and shippers are going to need to. They're going to need assistance when it comes to alternative solutions, whether it's alternative modes of transportation, alternative ports or airports and such as that. And that's where freight forwarder, that's one of their greatest strengths is that ability, their knowledge of the overall market. And they can um, really help shippers this way. But yeah, as far as chartering, there's going to be a lot more charters through the end of this year. And I think we'll see we'll see them throughout next year as well uh, because I think the ocean freight market's still going to be tight and there's going to be shifts away from ocean to air going, you know, into next year. But hopefully by then we'll see a little more capacity entering the air freight market, but, you know, inventory replenishment is so, is so needed. I mean, it's, it's just Mm -hmm. the sales to inventory uh, ratios for May came out uh, late last week Inventory levels across retail manufacturers and wholesalers are all still very low. So we've got several months to go before they return to any type of normalcy. And I put that in quote. And yeah. not not exactly likely to happen during the holiday season. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, your retail sales came out pretty strong. They came out what last last Friday, last Thursday, and um, they were strong. And we're heading in, I mean, we're in the midst of back to school sales. Right after that is your Labor Day sales. Then you got the holiday sales. And I think the whole quote unquote peak season, it's going to start early again this year, like it did last year. So I think you're going to see a lot of that beginning in October, running through mid-January probably to handle returns and such because of the inventory levels being so low. Yep. And we'll of course be uh, be covering those developments uh, throughout the rest of this year on on Air Cargo World. Fortunately, we're we're out of time for today, but thanks again Kathy for joining me for this episode of On Air with the Air Cargo World. It's it's been great to have you back on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you also to our listeners and to Air Cargo World's readers. You can download and listen to this podcast and other episodes at aircargoworld.com and on iTunes and Spotify. 